Are you an HR department of one trying to figure out how to balance task and strategy while keeping up with changes in regulatory compliance? Do you need a fresh outlook on old topics? Then stop what you're doing, grab your coffee, and get ready to recharge. If you have people, you have problems to solve and things to do. Your host is Brenda Neckvottle, a 20-year human resource professional, ready to explore the HR industry with veterans of business and life with fresh eyes and new ideas. Learn about the rapidly evolving changes in employment law around the country, as well as new tactics to deploy and build engagement in your workforce. If you're looking to implement new practices to make your job easier in HR, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to the Best Practices in Human Resources podcast. It is, holy cow, it is July. <laughs> I can't believe it's July. Oh man, this year has just been a weird one. But you know what? It's all good. No matter what, we are still here. We're still kicking. We're still moving forward. And we're about ready to go into celebrating uh, our independence and the birth of our incredible nation as much as as it has goofiness and conflict in it right now, it is still one of the best places to live here in this world. So if you are joining me for the first time, welcome. Thank you so much. Um, It's great to have you on. We've got a phenomenal guest today. Cannot wait to share this information with you. And if you are a repeat listener, you absolutely rock. You guys are fantastic. I really cannot begin to tell you how much I appreciate you guys being here week after week after week. So you make my day every time I see that you guys come back. So thank you so very much. So I'm here to help share with you the what and the how in human resources because I'm in the human business and that means that there's a greater number of dynamics in the workplace to balance and manage. And holy cow, is, <laughs> I'm not kidding right now. <laughs> there's a lot of that going on. Uh, But most importantly, we're going to be talking about everybody's favorite. It's the beginning of the month, which means that it's poster updates. Um, Everyone's favorite. Can't can't go into a new month without talking about employment poster updates. Um, We've also got some employment law changes across the nation, and I'm going to share with you later in the show where you can get access to the ones that I'm calling out, plus more that I get coming in. Today's main topic, we've got... U.S. Navy SEAL Tom Shea visiting. Um, Just a phenomenal conversation uh, about the release of his new book and three simple things. Three simple things that you can do in all of your spheres, personally, professionally, spiritually, physically, with your relationships. Just absolutely, absolutely excellent information. Um, I've known Tom for a little while. I'm going to talk about it. I don't want to spoiler alert here, but... Um, I will share with you that I just concluded his 48 hour challenge and I'll, I'll definitely share that with you on the kickoff of the segment. We've also got, um, some upcoming events, got some pretty cool things happening. And then also I'm going to teach you and share with you how to get my best practices delivered directly to your inbox. Now, before we go on folks that the information that is available through this podcast is in fact for informational purposes only and not for the purpose of providing any form of legal advice. You should contact your attorney to obtain legal advice with respects to a particular issue you might be dealing with. And if you do not have an employment attorney, reach out to me and I will be able to help you get contacted and linked up um, with an attorney over through our affiliates program and our friends over at Jackson Lewis. Okay, so poster updates, as promised. We, we don't have very much, and, and I think there's a couple reasons what's going on. So first off, 
Indiana and South Dakota, you guys have updates that rolled out in May. So if you are in the States and you haven't updated your posters for a while, it may be a good idea to grab some. And you can find those over, if you go to bestpractices.org, click on uh, affiliates, and you can scroll on down and find the Employment Law Labor Compliance Center. You'll find a code where you can get 25% off on the purchase of your posters. And they do not... They don't push out this ridiculous mail, uh, you know, campaigns that are meant to scare you and uh, like every month that you're, oh my gosh, your posters are out of date. It doesn't work that way. <clears throat> and that's part of the reason why I've got a good rela relationship with them is because I don't believe in that fear-based advertisement. So we'll take that, take that stuff right out of your head. Not to mention fear-based advertising gets you to spend money in areas where you probably don't need to spend money in. And I would much rather be focused on working on, uh, you know, increasing your confidence level and your compliance level rather than having you invest in a bunch of money for something that will likely grow ahead and uh, you're not really obligated to use it anyway. So we, we just don't go there. Um, but just be mindful that be on the lookout for additional mid-year poster changes. Um, it's very likely I'm going to keep my eyes on the ball through the month of July for you guys. There are, there should be some delays to be expected with what's going on with the various state assemblies and state lawmakers and their ability to achieve first year goals, just first of the year goals, simply because of what's been going on with the COVID-19 shutdown. So, um, you know, this pandemic has impacted everybody and everybody's ability to do everything else. So it's very likely that we're going to maybe see some delays, but nonetheless, uh, definitely be on the lookout that we're going to get some poster updates. Okay, enough of that. Um, we've got some employment law changes and headlines across the nation. <clears throat> and before I get started in this, these articles that I'm calling out in the episodes, you can actually find links to these articles up on the bestpractices.org website. So if you go to the website, click on podcast, you'll see this week's uh, links up there. And if you want to access all of the links... Uh, including the ones that I don't share, you can find that in the member resource page. Um, and if you then when you're over on the website checking out these links, you can just click on um, Next Gen Women in HR up at that top, and then that website. You know, I've been talking about that for a little while, but the member resource site um, is actually only nine dollars a month, and it's got a ton, ton of really great information in there for you. Okay. So first off, we've got emergency paid sick leave. The U.S. Department of Labor enforcement uh, efforts are on the rise. We had a brief, brief look into that with uh, in our last episode when Dane Steffeson was on and we were looking at the number of lawsuits that have already been filed. So the Department of Labor is, in fact, working on, on enforcing uh, all sorts of stuff. So just... You know, don't be the one that gets in front of the Department of Labor for a bad reason. So definitely take a look at that. Also, just as a reminder, the unemployment payment expiration date for that additional $600, that is coming to the end. It will end July 31st. Right now, there is nothing that indicates that it's going to be extended, which is really going to be doing a lot of shakeup in our job market. So that's going to get really interesting. Uh, the EEOC has issued guidance on antibody, antibody testing in the workplace. We got a link for that. <clears throat> also, um, uh, there's also guidance now out about multi-employer construction sites and what to do in relation to protecting your employees and everybody working together with uh, COVID-19. 
Um, we do have an immigration alert that there's some updates on the suspension of entry of certain foreign workers until the end of 2020. And also next is OSHA does not back down from an employee work refusals in all circumstances. So there's some really great information and some takeaways as to what OSHA will support and won't support, particularly as it pertains to businesses um, being able to return to work. So there's also a release on another release on OSHA guidance for businesses returning to work as well. Over in California, San Diego County, climate changes again on mandatory temperature checks. Over in Illinois, they have issued phase four guidance and a business toolkit that you can download. Maryland, um, employers with over 50 employees must now submit sexual harassment survey by the 1st of July, which is today. <laughs> so, well, and if you're listening to this past uh, July 1st, that was yesterday or is in the past. So if you haven't done it, make sure you get on it. Um, over in uh, Pennsylvania, uh, Pennsylvania has adopted a new standard for enforcing a non-compete agreement signed after the start of the employee's relationship. And then lastly, over in Puerto Rico, they just want to make sure that you folks don't forget to renew your workers' compensation insurance policy. There are approximately 2,500 members of the U.S. Special Operations Community who transition out of active duty military service every single year. The Honor Foundation has dedicated its mission to serving these elite individuals on their journey to prepare for life once they take off the uniform. In the past few years, we've begun our own journey to reach this number, launching three physical campuses in San Diego, California, Virginia Beach, Virginia, and near Wilmington, North Carolina, along with a virtual campus to reach members of the community anywhere on the planet. I spent 26 years in the special operations community as a SEAL. I graduated from THS program, I served on the board of directors, and now I'm proud to lead this organization into the future to continue assisting these transitioning service members and their families. Our dedicated team, our world-class program, and our incredible tribes of supporters are standing by to help THF alumni and future fellows, and are committed to providing the best possible support system and resources to better serve this community. Our vision for the Honor Foundation is clear, to impact every transitioning service member from the U.S. Special Operations Enterprise through our programs and support, and to be a catalyst for overhauling the entire DOD transition program. It's a big task, but the community deserves it, and we're driving full steam ahead to make this a reality. If you've been inspired with what the Honor Foundation's done in the last five years, I welcome you all to join us as we craft the next chapter in defining what it means to serve others with honor for life. weekend I had an opportunity to participate in uh, Tom's program called the Unbreakable 48 and it was my very first ever physical endurance challenge uh, that I've ever taken and it combines a lot of the it combines every element that uh, Tom practices in his in his program and it was really fascinating it was great so basically the premise behind this is is that in a 48 hour period every four hours you move your body for one hour and, and you'll hear this question come up in a little while. And the question that Tom always asks throughout this event is, what would your world be like if you didn't quit? And it's an absolute fascinating look at, at you and, and inside. And, 
and he pulls in a lot of different things. I'm, I'm, I'm trying, I'm really trying to do my best here to not give you a spoiler alert, but it was a fantastic event. I'm, I'm still kind of recovering <laughs> a little bit from it. Um, because I have not been able to be physical. I've recovered, uh, recently and fully finally after, um, having plantar fasciitis for 22 months in both of my feet. And so, um, you know, my ankles aren't used to supporting that kind of physical activity anymore. And, um, and so I took it on as a real challenge. And I will tell you that I am not a fan of going to the gym. I don't like, you know, forcing myself to work out and do repetitive stuff, but I found myself constantly being wanting to be outside and, and moving outside more than being inside. And so, um, and it was great. I mean, it was just a really awesome event. And so Tom has just released his next book and it is called Three Simple Things. And it talks a lot about everything that we were going through with the program. It really gets into the weeds on it. I've got a chance to read quite a bit of it already so far. I've been following Tom's work for quite a while. And um, we're really honored. I'm really honored to have him on this show uh, during the big kickoff of the launch of his book, which is actually taking place right now. So I, I highly encourage you guys to invest in yourself and get a copy of The Three Simple Things. Don't be shy when he's going to, at the end of this, you know, participate in one of his endurance challenges because you find yourself transforming in a way that you wouldn't think possible. And it really, it's another very unique way of opening your eyes. I'm pretty good at having those man in the mirror moments where I, I look in and I recognize that, you know, hey, listen, I can do a better job here, a better job here. This just takes this to, in, in a, another direction, another level. And it, can, it puts you in that physical space of dealing with discomfort and recognizing that, you, you know, while you're uncomfortable, you can, you, can, you can make change happen, which is fantastic. And Lord knows right now we need more of that in our world today. So uh, this is my time in my interview with Tom. Today, folks, we've got somebody who's another awesome guest that's on the show, and I've been looking forward to uh, speaking to him actually for a while. We haven't connected for a little bit, and uh, just recently his wife was featured on a podcast as we were doing our uh, Salute to Armed Forces uh, Day and carried it through the month. So, folks, I'd like to welcome Tom Shea to the show. How are you? Thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, having Stacy on as well. Oh, oh, that was a nice one. I really enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun. It was it was it was different to have a, a team wife on the phone. I may 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 I may not be as pretty. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> she clarified that. If you listen to the episode, it was really funny. <laughs> so you served <laughs> you served as a full career Navy SEAL, and if I remember correctly, you retired at senior chief, right? Yeah, I retired six years ago, and I'd spent 23 years in and as a senior chief, yeah. And you have, um, you know, I met you shortly after I started, uh, well, it was about a year after I was doing the volunteer work over at the Honor Foundation. I had reached out to you, um, mm -hmm. you know, as I was starting to move forward into providing the pro bono consulting for team guys for SEALs. And uh, that's, that's when you and I had connected and mm -hmm. your messages have always been very impressive to me. And probably the one that I latch on the most because I, it resonates with me in my world as much 
is the um, making sure that you honor your word. And I absolutely love all of the work that you do around that one value. Yeah, the I, I found that to be uh, one important. The second part of that is nobody gets trained to do it. No. It never seems to come up in any educational system or any of the nonsense that you, you see in society. Uh, and it becomes the foundation of the work that I've done with uh, leaders since I retired. Yeah, and it's also one of those things that I don't think people really realize that when you live to your integrity, and this is, this is really where I want to kick it off because, you know, honoring your word and never giving up really is the crux of everything that you do. It's, it's the foundation mm -hmm. of your work. And um, it's also the one thing, it, it does so much for people and it does so much for the employee, the employer relationship. And, and I just, I've been so looking forward to having a conversation with you around this. Um, yeah. But yeah, honoring your word, I'm just going to start kick it off, but it is one of those things that is the basis and foundation of building trust, period. Uh, I don't think you can have trust without understanding how you or any human being is dysfunctional regarding how they honor their word or do not. Like, I think there's a parity between honor your word and honor your excuses and people choose the, the other one. People really honor their excuses. They put a lot of credence into every reason not to do something. Yeah. Like it's too cold outside. I'm too old. I'm too heavy. I'm too young. I'm, this isn't right about me. So they, it's, a, it's the honor your excuses or honor your word. And people tend to honor their excuses. Yeah. Well, and when you honor your excuses, that leads to the next thing is like you're more apt to give up at the same time. So oh, they, yeah, they go hand in hand. Guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And so, and that's, you know, were you a BUDS instructor too? I can't remember. Yeah. I would had checked into SEAL training September 9th, 2001. And two days later, the towers got whacked. Yeah. So I was an instructor there for the first three years of the war. That had to have been pretty intense. Oh, it was wonderful. It was a great time to be there because the, the skipper that had taken over training uh, wasn't politically savvy. So he's like, I just want great seals. If we get one, I'm happy with that. And, uh, and he goes, you're training those guys to go to war. So take that to heart. Yeah. So it was, it was a great time to be there. Yeah. So when, when you look at <clears throat> the, the foundation of honoring your word in the context of leadership, or you don't even have to be a leader. You, you can just be an influence or you can just be, you know, a steady Eddie in the company. How do you see honoring your word as a baseline of moving the needle forward in anybody's life? Wow. That's a 15 hour conversation. <laughs> so, uh, well, you and I can both. I would talk. say, you know, look at the, uh, maybe it's like a sci-fi novel. Imagine, <laughs> imagine a time in the future. So maybe it's a twilight zone. So, you know, but really, so imagine if people, anybody. So I, I don't think, I'm not a big fan that there are leaders and followers. I, everybody leads themselves 
and in the SEAL teams, they're really no leaders. There's just somebody that has a responsibility to open the door and somebody that has a responsibility to take the trash out. Like everybody is a higher level of equal in the SEAL teams than you could possibly imagine. So the leadership side of it is more of a buzzword. Mm. People must lead themselves. That's the crux of team, any team. And that, you know, in any industry, gosh, what, you know, it wouldn't matter. If when people really respect the fact and honor the fact that whatever comes out of their mouth is true, it creates a whole different environment. So I'm, I'm going to say that that screwed up, or I'm going to say that that was effective, or I'm going to say I'm going to be there at nine o'clock. So I'm going to be there at nine o'clock. I don't care if I get in a car accident. I'm going to show up. I don't care if my dog ate my homework. I'm going to do my homework. So that's not a trained thing anymore. So we have trained ourselves away as a nation to not honor your word and take responsibility for the actions that ensue when I say something. So it's a, it becomes an interesting environment, which it's easy to teach somebody to do that. It's easy to teach somebody to honor the word. Try to do something for three weeks. Anything. So what I've done with clients now, there's 2,000 people that have tried what I had originally written about in the first book that I'd put out was do something for 21 days. Mm-hmm. And you will see if you can honor your word in any environment come to find out people don't know how to honor the word. They actually honor their excuses, meaning now that I have some data collected on it, I didn't think it would be like this. People honor these four excuses more than they do. You know, like the, if you, if you're married or if you've written a contract, that's really where you should honor. So people honor, not their contractual obligation to each other. Like what if I, if you and I are married, I say, I, I want to stay with you forever. People obviously don't honor that. Right. But here are the four things that people pay more attention to. They honor pain more than they do their original agreement. If something hurts, I'm out. What do you mean you're out? In the teams, don't, nobody cares about that. So you got your leg blown off? Dude, you're still in the game. Keep fighting. So, yeah. And so that it was an interesting analogy. So people pay attention to the excuse of pain more than they do their agreement. The other thing is people excuse themselves from their own success because their wife or husband doesn't support them. So I'm going to try to do something, but my husband doesn't want me to, so I'm not going to do it. It's devastating. And it happens in industry or my boss doesn't support me or right. my manager doesn't support me or the boss goes, well, the, the company doesn't support my direction. So we're not going to go there. So nothing really great happens. The second or the third thing is people forget. They make an agreement and they forget to carry it out. That's nonsense. They can, you know, call Brenda and she's going to call you and tell you to go to your appointment. You know what I mean? <laughs> So people have screwed up great things because they have forgotten to do them. And the fourth one is, has become the biggest tragedy 
is people cannot deal with the excuse in their head. It sounds like this. When things become stupid, people will give up. Mm -hmm. When you hear yourself say, well, this is stupid. Why am I doing this now? Then you're going to fail. So if you can't overcome stupid, you're done. Yeah, it's a, those limiting self-beliefs. It's either elements yeah. that become a limiting self-belief or the ones that, you know, just as humans were programmed with. You know, I've got a friend, she's been on the show, uh, she's down in Australia, and she's got the perfect phrase, which this is now probably going to flip my show from clean to explicit, but that's all right. I love this phrase. Mm-hmm. That, that voice inside your head that you're talking about, she refers to that as your itty-bitty shady committee. <laughs> right. But that's exactly what it is. I mean, it's that it's that internal force that we have that we constantly have to, you know, we constantly have to plow through and either step over, ignore, or run it out of our way. That is our limiting self beliefs. And in the field of human resources, work, you know, the goal for us is to is to always do work that's for the betterment of the organization. That's our goal. And it's not easy because you have to find that delicate balance between doing what's in the best interest of the company and doing what's in the best interest of the employees. And there are days that it's really hard. Um, But when you have to battle to get that kind of support, it's, it's, it can be crushing on the inside, but it's usually because one, you've pitched something that you didn't pitch as well as maybe you should have, or two, you pitched a really great idea with the best of everything, and it was the wrong timing. Mm-hmm. Or, or three, quite frankly, leadership isn't focused in on that, and then you have to figure out what you do after that. But you know, but that limiting self-belief and all these other elements that you're talking about, I love this because it really folds around that, and, and we're all susceptible to them. Yeah, the the human element is the critical fact, success factor. Yeah. And humans don't do well at being human. They really don't. <laughs> no, we don't. They suck. I mean, we we're, we really suck at the thing that we actually have control of. Yeah. Is the human factor. You know how I how I move my body. Not a lot of people try to master that, but that's what you have. I mean, you're you were issued a body, dude, master the damn thing. In every business that I've worked with, the health of the employee is just a conversation. But nobody wants to be responsible to it from the top level to the bottom level. And HR is in the middle. Mm-hmm. What do they do? So here, here the four excuses come up too. You know, I'm too old to work out. Hey, listen, asshole, go work out, (laughs) work out, be healthy. Well, you know, I'm, I don't feel good, bro. It will make a difference to your company that you take care of your own health. Yep. But nobody factors that into. Yeah. You know, I wound, I wound up, um, I wouldn't say that I took your 21 day challenge. I didn't go back to doing it, but um, you know, with the whole coronavirus thing that came out, um, I had just, when it hit, I had just gotten off of a two year injury. I had plantar fasciitis in the bottom mm-hmm. of my feet. So imagine not really being able to move for almost two years yeah. and to stand and being completely uncomfortable sitting for a long time. And, 
and it was difficult. Then I wiped out and I dislocated my elbows. <laughs> I'm like, fantastic. This is great. Yeah. So now I can walk again. I mean, I can actually do walking again. Um, I can straighten my arm, which is great. And in that process of, you know, recovering from both of those things, I actually, um, I had inadvertently gotten on a sugar kick again. And what that does to my body, it just absolutely kills it. So I've been off of sugar for a while. And just that one, one thing, one thing made mm -hmm. a huge improvement. I can sleep again. I can breathe again. Yeah. Um, my tendons are healing. I mean, sugar in your tendons, I've learned crazy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just one thing. And that's, you know, it's like what you're talking about. If you just do one thing and focus in on one thing and get good at it, then you can move to one more thing. Yep. Yep. That's true. Yep. And then get good at it, you know? Yeah. Um, but it, if you give up and, and in humans, we are prone to giving up. That's just what we, like you said, we honor pain, regardless of what that is. If it hurts or if it's hard, we exit. Um, and a lot of things, but if you, if you really ultimately have your goal or your sights fixed on an end result, you you can't give up i mean something may not work but you tweak it and that's different yeah we uh i don't know why we went off the rail or when people went off the rail of playing the long game mm -hmm. like play the long game don't play the short game the short game you actually have less control of than the long game yeah because, you, you know, even athletically, even in business, the transactional game, which is the short game, mm -hmm. you can't really get 100% transactions because you can't control the, the environment, the other person that has the credit card if you want to use it at that level. So if you, you can't really. So you try to do volume in the short game. The long game is the transformational game of business. The people that play the long game, like Warren Buffett, they make, they print money. Yeah. People that play the short yeah. game have to go to the bank. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so what happens there is, I don't know, again, I, if you play the long game, that's the not, I'm not going to quit. And in the short term, you figure things out and, Every Monday, something new changes. Well, it's not supposed to. Yeah, it's supposed to change because I'm, I'm continuing to grow in directions that are unpredictable. So I have to keep adjusting the long game. The people who play the short game are so put off every Monday that they have to go to work or something happened over the weekend that was uncontrollable. People that play the long game, the, I'm not going to give up on this, are not put off when Monday happens. Right. Okay, the market went down. Okay. So let's figure it out. It'll go back up. Oh, coronavirus. Okay. We'll figure it out. Right. And that's that's the never quit mentality. Yep. Of the long game. You know, it's funny that sometimes and it's interesting because, you know, I, I've never for, for a long time now being at the level that I've been playing at in, you know, in this field specifically, I don't get too wound up when things get side, when things go sideways, unless it's dealing with somebody's physical well-being, 
you know, I mean, I've had some pretty contentious uh, situations with employees. We had, I've mentioned this one many times on the show is that, you know, we had, I was consulting a client and they had one employee that actually pulled a knife on another employee and, you know, threatened to slit his throat from ear to ear. Mm -hmm. You know, that, then, then your heartbeat kind of tends to go up on stuff like that. But, you know, when somebody comes flying in and they say that there's a problem, that's usually the first thing that comes out of my mouth is like, oh, that's okay. We'll figure it out. Because, you know, it's, it's in the, sh in the short field, yeah. it doesn't, it's a temporary thing and we fix it and then we move on. We've got bigger fish to fry. And that's just always kind of been my thing. And people look at me like I have three heads. It's like, look, nobody died. I mean, first off, that's the most important thing. If, if you're not dealing with, you know, a person's physical safety and well-being, this is fixable. Let's, let's focus in on it and keep moving forward and, and keep your eye on the target. Even if people die, I'm telling you, it's okay. Shit happens. Yeah. Having been in combat, you don't want things to happen, but they happen. Yes. People get injured. People get maimed. The enemy dies. Your buddies die. Play the long game. What's yeah. the ultimate outcome that you're trying to get to? But if you play the short game, you're going to be an emotional wreck. It's too difficult to play the short game. But, you know, Google how to, how to be successful now. It's all hacks. Literally. Yep. I, the five-second workout. Okay, you're going to give me a five-second workout. Come on, dude. You know, how to make a million in two months. Okay. So it's, a, it's, a, it's created a mental travesty on the American population. Is it's easy to sell somebody a hack because you know it ain't going to work. Then no. they have to buy another hack and then another hack. But teach people the long game. Like, you know, teach somebody how to fish. Don't give them meat. You know what I mean? Yes. And it's, a, it's 10 times more rewarding. And the potential is, you know, yeah. so noticeable. Absolutely. So that's a great segue into your new book. And I just got it. I'm really super excited to read it. And I, I started reading a couple sections of it in preparation for this. But your book is called Three Simple Things. And um, I would love, I think that's a perfect avenue to start talking about what the three simple things are. Yeah, so I'm a fan or I'm a believer in all humans have five areas of life that pass. Obviously, everybody has their health. Everybody has the ability to learn. So those are two areas. Everybody pursues wealth in one manner or another. Mm -hmm. So that's the third area. And everybody has the area of relationships, whether they're divorced or married or young or friendships or teams. And everybody has some spiritual activity. Even the agnostics have spiritual activity. So I call those five pyramids of growth that every human being has. So uncomplicated. What I have found in the past six years in training executives is the quicker I get the executive to do three basic things, three simple basic things in each of those five categories, the quicker they succeed, like measurable success in each one and each one has a different time derivative mm -hmm. wealth takes three hours 
So I divided these three simple things into named categories. The first of the simple things is be offensive every day. In wealth, try to get in front of a new prospect. Fight to be on the phone with somebody you've never met, met before. The second area or the second three simple things is be defensive, meaning in business, call an existing client or talk to your employees. So spend an hour being offensive, spend an hour being defensive, and spend an hour thinking strategically. Where do I want to be in five years? Where does the business want to be? But you can't be encumbered with paying taxes when you're thinking strategically. You can't be anchored down with the reality of what the business is going through because that's tactics. Strategy and tactics don't really, they can't be on the same table at the same time. Right. So those are three simple things, different hours. Health became the first critical factor to create success in a human being is they have to spend at 90 minutes a day doing three simple things, an hour of movement, you know, whether you, you know, like you said, you had an injury. So if you can't walk, swim, do push-ups, crawl your butt along the floor, whatever, move for an hour that creates you as a human being having all your hormones, all your joints and all your muscles moving, which is they're supposed to move and it's supposed to be uncomfortable. So an hour of movement and then 20 minutes of stretching, like take care of getting your body limber and then drink 10 glasses of water a day. By the way, that's actually offensive, defense, and, and strategic. The strategy of nutrition and, and hydration, that's strategic to your body. Yeah. Like if you don't eat right and drink right, nothing you do will have long-term effects. So that has made the biggest difference in executive training is making their health on point by doing that simple. That's simple to do. It's 90 minutes. What I found is people don't even do it. They're not on point for 90 minutes a day in their health. Because like we were saying earlier, they don't honor their word and they give up quickly. Right. And they don't think anything matters. So just make more money. Like executives actually think that. They're doing bottom and top line counts. I need to work a 15-hour day. So then what I found to be the most important is in the area of relationship and you know a navy seal talking about relationship i wouldn't have I'm not, would not have thought it'd be that case so the three simple things in relationship have probably made more money for the executive and the whole business by understanding the dynamics of relationships so the for all it is is th 30 minutes a day it only takes 30 minutes to be in a profound, intimate relationship with somebody. The first 10 minutes, like if you're married to, or you have a boyfriend, girlfriend, or a teammate, you have to listen to them for 10 minutes to what they're committed to. And you have to create a situation where they're not telling you about drama. So listen to life and commitment and don't listen to drama. So for 10 minutes, that's all it takes is to be really great 
listen for 10 minutes, and then speak what you're committed to for 10 minutes. And you can't put drama in there. You can't complain. You can't blame. Like, hey, you know, hey, Brenda, I'm going to go run uh, five miles today. And I've now shared something with you that's very factual and what I'm committed to. People don't even want to do that. Oh, Brenda, it's raining. Oh, man, I feel terrible. My husband beat me. Oh, my God. That's the drama that life has. So make it simple. Three simple things per category. Per category. Ends up being a six-hour day. By creating a six-hour baseline, you can 2X your life in every area. Meaning, I've trained more people to be ultra-marathon runners from being a couch runner to an ultra-marathon runner in six months. Guys that have had knee replacements running, running marathons helped four companies sell their business. Like, they've made, they said, I, the boss is like, I'm done. I have made more money now than the past year and a half of working. I'm going to sell my assets and create another business. The original reason for contacting me was that they wanted to uh, quit because they couldn't turn the company around. Just by doing simple things mm -hmm. in the area of human beings, so it's a human factor. It's not a technology factor. Yeah. Turn the human around, and it's simple. Yeah. I like but that. it's not, it's freaking not easy though. It's no easy. Yeah. It's not. I mean, um, you know, I'm sitting here, like I was listening to you and I was just kind of making notes, you know, if I were to, you know, if I were to just focus, you know, give some people some context, you know, who are listening to this and HR professionals is just the offense, just the simple philosophy of the offensive, defensive and strategic would be, you know, I would propose them trying something on, not necessarily within your, in your five categories that you just mm -hmm. went on, but just try this, just start mm -hmm. here. Right. Um, is, you know, number one is that if you're looking for to do something offensive, that's, you know, what's that one thing that you can focus on to build opportunity for your employees? You mm -hmm. know, how do you work to make the company better Two defensive would be, um, you know, find an opportunity, work with your supervisor or your boss or CEO or whatever, you know, to engage in your personal development, in your professional development. Mm -hmm. And then strategic is, you know, the, the looking ahead over the next 18 to 24 months as to what it is that you want to implement. And then just keep focusing in on the offensive, the defensive, as you're focusing on strategy. I mean, it's very simple mm -hmm. and it's, it's very elementary, you know, compared to, you know, like the five pillars that you're talking about, which I've been very familiar with for a long time, but just even doing that will help move the needle. Yes. Uh, and categorizing them into offense, defensive, and, you know, futures or strategy helps people compartmentalize it. Yeah. As opposed to, Hey, I got so much to do. Hey, what, get on the phone right now and get really uncomfortable. Try, try to get on the phone with one new prospect. What I thought was funny is not just in the HR world, but salesmen, have a hard time getting on the phone or getting in front of people. What do you mean? You're, you're being paid to get new stuff in the pipeline. It's uncomfortable. Okay. 
So don't spend all day being uncomfortable. Just dick, try to do an hour fighting yeah. to be in front of somebody. Right. Well, it's a, I don't like to hear no, and it's inefficient. I, you know, it's better just to deal with existing clients and, and upsell them and all that shenanigans that goes on. Okay, well, that's true. That's defensive. You yeah. can always upsell people. But fight to be in front. So here's what you have to do. Fight to fail. Yes. I'm going to call somebody, and I want this to go south. Hey, Brenda, I'm a shitty salesman, and I, I just wanted to call you to tell you that I am not going to make this call. Just have fun with it. Just fumble through everything. What you will find is that you'll make more transactions that way. Yeah. But the perfect pitch, like I'm, I tell salespeople, learn the pitch. Learn the, I understand that. But get in front of people and have fun. Yeah. Have fun. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, selling is, selling is universal. It's not just, you know, to build revenue for the organization. Selling is also pitching an idea. It's pitching, right. it's pitching compliance, right? And that's a big right. part in our world. Because let's face it, like when you've got a compliance issue, and you haven't, your company hasn't done something, not necessarily you. I mean, it's not uncommon that when you have an HR person that comes in, then we run into something that hasn't been done with compliance. And we understand the cost of that. It's, you know, it can impact the bottom line very, very easily. Mm -hmm. And, and it rides our call to action button to present that forward and just say, Oh my gosh, we got a real big issue is hard and it's uncomfortable. But like I've been working with the, the next gen women in HR community is <clears throat> there's a way of proposing it and pitching it or presenting it that you're, you've got to be comfortable with what comes back and it's going to be uncomfortable that response. No, no leader wants to be T-boned by bad news, even though they're capable likely capable of handling it, but they don't. And if you're not, if you're not framing it properly, if you're not okay with the reaction that's going to take place in the usher, to be able to usher it into an actual response, you're going to struggle. You're just going to struggle all the time. But that's true with anything. Nobody likes to get bad. Yeah, that's uh, I call that uh, not being very uh, artistic with how you emotionally respond. <laughs> Yeah, and people are trying to help each other emotionally out too much and as opposed to factual. Yeah. Like most business leaders that I have worked with want the facts, but they're always presented with emotion. Dude, just tell me what happened. And they, so not that HR does this or compliance, but people come with this emotional response to, well, the budget and oh my God, and you got to understand yeah. boss is like, man, I, I can deal with the facts, but I don't know yes. what to do with what you just said. Yes. Thank you. Are we losing money or this, is somebody dying? I, I can't tell what just happened. Yeah. Is the sky falling? What? And you know, and the greatest relationship that I've seen in business is factual. If somebody can come to you, just give me the facts, Brenda. Can you tell me, can you make sense of all this crap that I'm seeing? And most of the, uh, when I've seen 
really great relationships between HR and business leaders, and they're not always great, as you know. It's when the HR is just factual. They're not pitching anything. They're not sidelining anything. We're going to have a factual conversation. Where does this reside in compliance? I want the data. And then what I've seen, not that you were asking about this, is when the HR people create a factual relationship by having a fun relationship with the boss. Like if we're not going to be in business, let's talk happy things. But if you want to come talk, you know, HR stuff, I'm going to give you facts. And that seems to be the, the real simple things that make a huge difference in my, you know, my, you know, third party perspective of how the human factor can be the greatest benefit to the organization is when it's not as emotionally charged as it is factual. Yep. Exactly. But we add too much emotion. And my wife, Stacy's like, oh my God, you're going to, you're going to, I guarantee you're going to go down, talk to Brenda and you're going to bring up emotion. <laughs> like, oh, it's needed, but it's never at the right time. People put emotion in the wrong place, but yeah, it's okay. <laughs> well, I, you know, so what, so in all my years of sitting in the seat and in dealing with crisis, what I see is that people impose their emotion into yes. the situation. But what, and this is what I'm adamant about when I work with these, you know, rising HR champions is that, listen, and the same thing with leaders. It's like, look, I get that you're upset. I totally understand that. But look, before you open your mouth and make the situation work, deal with you first. Because if you don't take care of you, and, and there's a lot of that, yeah. And this, this is all about taking care of you first. And if you don't take care of yourself first, you can't take care of anything else. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And if you don't want to make a situation worse or, you know, look, you know, we want to make sure that whatever we communicate, we're going to be communicating the right message, but you can't communicate the right message. If you're in flux, if your emotions, if you're not in check and the only way to get in check is to deal with it first and you may have to deal with yeah, it. Yeah. 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 That's like, it's easy for you and I to sit here and talk about it. And my question back to you is why don't people do it? Why are you having to tell, listen, bro, man, come on. Yeah. <laughs> it's so disturbing. I, I say that funny cause I'm now getting older and I can make fun of people, but <laughs> Oh my God, everybody calm down. Yeah. Just deal with what's in front of you more. Like, be real. What's going on right now? And don't be afraid of the boss. He or she's as dumb as you are. They are. They're trying as best as everybody else is. They're trying to disseminate the facts from the fantasy. They're trying to boil the chaos into simple things. Yeah. They want to be on the team with you just like you want to be on with them. Be yeah. straightforward. Yeah. And it's rarely a con of conflict to be that way. It, but drama. You know, oh my God, drama. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's, a, you know, it, for somebody, you know, we all come from different places. We all come from different mindsets. We all come from different environments that help form us and shape us. And, 
you know, then, then, you know, we're booted out of the house or we leave the nest on our own. And now we're responsible for our own vision view and, and worldview. But I, you know, as from somebody like, if you had met me 20 years ago, you, what you just described was totally me, but that was a very conscious effort over a very long period of time to be something better for myself, to not, you know, cause I didn't like how I felt when I was emotionally reacting to something. And, and it was a lot of fear. Um, I wouldn't say that I had an anxiety issue, but I came from a background to where I grew up with the mindset of, it's like, oh, what will they think? And, and that is a huge driver into how people respond. And when we're so concerned about what other people think about us, then we tend to really get lost in, in our own thoughts and we, and we don't have clear focus and clear vision. Mm -hmm. And to some degree, yes, it, there's a level of importance where you're going to be up against perception. I mean, perception is everything in this world sometimes, right? Mm. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it should rule how you respond or react to things that are coming at us in life. Interesting. How uh, have uh, you been able to apply that in helping SEALs graduate from the military to civilian? Well, you know, the biggest thing, and, and this is still in the back of my mind, because I've, when I came into this four years ago, I, wanted, I made a very big commitment. I wanted to do this right. And I didn't want to fall victim to all of the Hollywood stuff that was out there and the nonsense that's, uh, and I knew it existed out on the website and, mm -hmm. you know, in the, in, the, in the internet sphere, right? Yeah. And I had met already several Navy SEAL posers that were saying all sorts of ridiculous things. And of course, back then it was just like, oh, I, you know, how do I, how do I, I don't have anything to question this against. I couldn't challenge it because I just didn't know. Mm -hmm. So when I came into it, I, I came in with the commitment that number one, I wasn't going to be some star, some starstruck, googly weirded out female that's, you know, suddenly surrounded by, you know, a room of 16 seals or 18 seals or whatever it was, right? It just wasn't going to be that way. I was going to be conscious and I was going to be focused and listening and mm -hmm. asking questions. And I, and I, I was scared to ask questions. So I found a way to do it. So if I wanted to understand something, cause you know, when you're with a group of people, everybody starts talking in their own vernacular. Mm -hmm. You know, we all have our own cadence of rhythm in the in the constructs of whatever culture you're immersed in. Now, if you're, if you know it, you go to corporate corporations yep. and all of a sudden you hear all their buzzwords, right? Same thing here in the teams. And so when I'd hear something, I was curious as to what it was because it was out of context for me. I didn't mm -hmm. understand what somebody was trying to say. So on top of being dyslexic and already not, you know, absorbing information, usually as it's intended, I have to constantly, sh I constantly have to be a listening for, okay, what is that person really trying to tell me? And then having something new throwing at me, like, okay, I have no idea what this means. So I got to the point where I would, you know, I, I developed enough of a relationship with a few guys that were, that I got close with. And I said, okay, so I have a question for you and I don't know if I can ask this or not. So can you please tell me if this is a red light, green light, or yellow light kind of question? Mm. Now they knew exactly what I was talking about. And then mm -hmm. I'd ask it and they're like, oh yeah, that's easy. I can answer that. That's not a problem. 
or when they would start talking to me about, and they would share one nugget of information that got me to understand that they were sharing something emotional. Hmm. And then they'd immediately stop because you don't do that in the teams. And then I, I do the same thing. It's like, okay, I'm not sure if I can ask this or not, but you, you said something and I just really want to understand it. What did you mean when you said this? And then I would just get very, very quiet and listen. But my, that carrying from where I came from is like, oh, what would they think? It was a strong-minded, successful, experienced female working with males that have strong wives. That was a concern of mine, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to be looked at as something other than what I really am. So I was, I was very conscientious about that. I was also very conscientious of, you know, not assuming that I knew everything that happened in the seals because I did do my research. I read books. I, you know, when guys would drop a book, I'd pick it up and read it and I'd pay attention. So it wasn't like coming in, I would assume that I knew what a seals world was like professionally or personally. I just got quiet and listened. And then over time started to see patterns and started to get a better understanding. And that took time, but it was a big fear of mine that I was going to do something to screw up my relationship and not being able to, to commit to the long-term work that I wanted to do. So how do you... Uh, <laughs> that was a short version. I know you're not going to answer this, but <laughs> so what's, what's so screwed up about team guys when they get out? Nothing. <clears throat> I say that fun, the tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you can. Um, no, I mean, there are just some different challenges that, that come with, and it doesn't matter if it's team. It doesn't matter if it's MARSOC. It doesn't matter. I mean, yeah. it doesn't Same matter. Same. It could be yeah. submariners. It could be pilots, right? The, the biggest thing that happens is it's almost, it's not a divorce, but it's that separation from yep. the, the brotherhood bond. That's hard to deal with. And then the other thing that gets hard to deal with is that you have a very strong wife, likely, and they're excited about, oh my God, I got my husband back. And they, you know, their team guys are great dads, but, but they're team guys and they're still running at what for us is 125%, yeah. you know, it, so our 100% is your 125 you know, your, your 100% is our 75%. Right. And when you're hitting one, 100%, you, you're starting to feel gullied out. Right. Yep. So for them, that, that separation of what they have known for 20, 10, 20 plus years is all of a sudden ripped apart, like a piece of Velcro. It's just, it comes right off immediately. Right. So that, then you compile any type of physical condition or traumatic brain injury. Um, your team, you know, the teams, elite teams are, are much better at dealing with PTSD and, and decompressing than other yeah. areas of the, the military, mainly because this investment is so big that the military recognizes that we got to deal with it or else our elite are not going to be elite. Yeah. So that gets handled. Right. So, but it's the TBI it's, it's the all of now all of a sudden they're dealing with things that they have not been permitted to talk about and not like they're not allowed, but you know, as well as I do that if a team guy says, Oh God, my hip is killing me today. 
one, you're going to get the loving flogging that you deserve. For yeah, 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 yeah. But two, now that raises flags in the command. And is this individual really going to be fit? And pulling a seal out of the fight is like cutting off a diver's oxygen. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. Right. So they don't say anything. And, and like you said, team guys, you they lose their leg. You're still in the fight. Go. Right. And that's just, that's just, that's that innate drive. It, it's an innate drive in my opinion. So, yeah. so nothing screwed up. It's just, that's, that's just who they are. So when they come out, it's a massive shuffling of the deck of cards in life. Yeah. And it takes a while to get through. It's not a flip the switch kind of a deal. You can't pop a pill and it's gone. You went through it. Yeah, it's uh, funny to watch other guys go through that, uh, whether they have TBI or PTSD or injuries of some sort, is they, uh, they get cast into a world with no support structure, which I think is the biggest travesty. Yes. And, I, you know, what I say is, I, I want to say it out loud, it's, it's going to be against the Honor Foundation is uh, I wouldn't touch a guy for two years. They have to refine themselves. And the first few opportunities, they're not, they aren't going to go well. And then at the two-year mark, they kind of show up again. They, they stop fumbling around. They figure out where they fit in. And at the two-year post getting out, retiring or whatever, then they're really great leaders, human beings. But that first two years, most of them don't get it. Well, they, especially if they don't have a structured exit. Yeah. Or a guided exit. And yeah. So, yeah, they, they're thrust into it. They, they right. parachute it into an exit. Hey, yeah. you know, you, you got guys that, you know, you know to, have, to have, somebody, have somebody from the team, from the SEAL teams leave through a, a med board process takes a while. But right. yet it's still a process and it gives them time to adjust. Right. But when you've got that immediate separation from service, which a lot of service members go through, yep. like all of a sudden, you know, they're they're now rated as a, a physical capacity of doing the job at 40 percent. It's instant. You're done. Yep. There is no transition. It, the transition yep. is hard and it's painful. And so and you're right. And, you know, I think any major shift like that, be it career, be it relationships, um, death of a friend, uh, death of your spouse, uh, death of a family member, any of those major, even, even when the shift is positive as to getting married and having a new kid and, you know, all that stuff, buying your first house, it is a full two year circle. Yep. It really is. And, you know, yep. if you look at somebody who gets divorced, really in two years, you're going to be fine. But that first 18 months is, it's like you know a bumpy yeah, that's uh that's you know out. i'm glad the honor foundation is beginning to 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 look at the time gap the quicker you get to transitioning the more successful you are it should happen before you get out but the moment you tell in the seal teams special forces marsoc whoever mm -hmm. that you're out you're no longer a part of the equation yeah well they move on and they have, they have to reformulate and they have to, yep. it's like, okay, so we're losing an asset. And it's not that, you know, yes, you're losing a human being, but more importantly, you just like here in corporate America, somebody says, I'm going to retire in two years. Guess what? Now you're thinking, crap, I'm losing this asset. We're, yep. we're losing this institutional knowledge. 
we've got to figure out how we fill this because this may be only one person deep in the company. And that person now knows all the passwords. They know all the history, they oh, have yeah. record of all the files. And it could be that one thing that could strategically bring your organization down. And that's why there's such a focus on talent management, but it's not the individual. It's the, it's the data, it's the information, it's the contribution. Yeah. And so sometimes um, that's when companies can forget the person. And, and sometimes the teams do too. I mean, we've seen that yep. in this community in the last four years. They yep, forget yep, the person. That's true. And, it, and it, I don't think it's intentional. I think it's... The yeah, it's a human it's nature. It's a yeah. nature of leadership is if you're not going to be on my team, I still have a team to run. Yes. Not that I don't love you. It's like, dude... Your hand's not in the cookie jar anymore. I, I have to move forward. Yes. Hey, see ya. I hope I see you again. And that's that's also uh, I see that in the business world too. Yeah. It's uh, transitioning somebody in or out is so time intensive. It is. And, and because people don't want to let you in until you prove yourself, and then they don't want to let you out. Quick, they don't want to let you out. But you can't say that I'm out. Yes. Like you, I can't go to the boss and go, you know what? I'm going to submit my papers and I'm going to leave the company in six months. What do you mean? You can't do that. So then there's, there's bad stuff that happens. So you wait till the last minute to go, okay, I, here's my one month I'm, you know, out package. Yeah. Me saying I'm leaving. Because if I had said it at the right time six months ago, I would have been treated poorly. Yes. So it's yes. a quagmire, but it's yes. still, boy, what, what's missing is always the human factor. Yes. And having the people in the organization be on point in their life. And it's, and it's interesting that when you say that, because I hear, you know, I, I've got, I grew up in a very blue collar town, post Korean war, blue collar steel town. And and it always sends this like, it like plucks the nerves in my spine every time I hear people, pardon me, but bitching about business or big business. They're like, I don't care about the small person, blah, 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 right? And it, and it drives me mad. Yes, that sometimes happens. But you know what? When you tell somebody that you're going to be leaving, you're just, you know, it's not, it's... It doesn't, it hasn't happened to you. <laughs> You're leaving. You've already got an exit plan. You're moving out. You've already gotten your, your path forward, forward, right? And it's not that the company doesn't want to wish you well, or it's not that they don't think about you. It's just, you have now took a boulder and thrown it into a yeah, puddle, yeah. you know, and people yeah. don't look at that. They don't look at, and, and that's with everything in life. When you execute, your, you execute whatever decision you have in life, you are leaving a residual effect everywhere you go. Yep. And everybody has to adjust to it. Now, just because somebody hasn't fallen to the ground and started weeping at your feet that, oh my God, you're leaving. I don't know what I'm going to do without you. Which a lot of people internally like to have that happen. And that's a fact because yeah, that's true. I dealt with a lot of that. But just because that doesn't happen doesn't mean that you're less valued. It doesn't mean that the company doesn't care about you. The company also has umpteen other people that they have to be responsible for, regardless yeah. of what your decisions are. And 
that's where we get lost in the it's all about me stuff. And it's easy to do. Yeah. There's no solution to that problem. No. There isn't. Mm-mm. The moment you, it's not quitting. It's the moment you take your hand out of the bucket of water. You recognize that you don't impact the waves anymore. Yes. And not only is it okay, it's, that's the way of it. So don't, be, don't then expect the waves to treat you a certain way. Yeah. They've moved on. Yes. But the human, the, like the un- misunderstanding of how humans are, are dealing with each other. Once you say to me, I'm exiting. Okay. It, okay. Exit. I, what do you want? Okay. Well, we already agreed. Here's a severance package. Okay. But they, they don't exit efficiently. They still have residual things. Well, I wasn't treated poorly. What do you mean? Nobody, I don't know what you're saying. You, we signed all the documents, everything worked out well, and you exited. And, or when you enter, it's the same thing. It's a human factor trying to figure out how to integrate new things and old things. And what I saw in business is, one is it doesn't have to go that complicated. Still do simple, simple stuff. Yeah. But like right now, what uh, Stacey and I always talk about, how quickly the simple gets dissolved into complex things, meaning okay, the COVID-19 disaster. People don't do simple things anymore. People aren't eating right. People aren't. So some are. So some are now at home with their families going, oh, my God, it's the greatest experience I've ever had. Like our family's all here. Mm-hmm. I know it's the last time I'm ever going to have everybody here at the same time. So I'm like, okay, well, let's have family time. Yeah. Let's do things together that I wouldn't normally want to do because I'm older. You know, Garrett, you pick something we do today. Autumn, you pick something we do today. And let's go full bore and do it together. So there are those anomalies that people have adapted. But people forget to do simple. Oh, my, I lost my job. So go get another one. Well, I'm going to wait to see if it's going to open up again. Dude, okay, it's, it's seven weeks now. I'm a waitress. I'm waiting. Go next door and ask them if you can do something for them. Well, I have to wear a mask. Oh, it just made everything so complex. Yeah. People can't even breathe and make a decision, which is what, why I, I recognized in the writing of the Three Simple Things book is do three simple things Every day for the rest of your life, it doesn't matter what comes up. And premise everything on make a promise and keep it. And don't give up on that. Yeah. And then do basic, simple things. Don't even get off of first base. Get on the first base every day. Yep. You want to know how many runs you're going to make if you keep getting on first base? You're going to win every baseball game that you play. Yep. Keep making, keep dribbling the ball on basketball. Keep making, say hi every time you see somebody at work. You know how basic that is. Yep. But you know, people don't do that. Nope. Oh my God. Keep it simple. <laughs> you know? Yes. So if there's, and, and you may have just done it, but if there's any one thing that you want people to take away from everything that you do, what would it be? It may have been, that may have been it, but. 
it's, I won't assume. It's so, <clears throat> you are capable, everybody listening to this, you're playing at 20% of your capacity. You can play at 100%. You can. It doesn't take more time or energy. You just have to make the th complex things in your life simple and play at 100%. What would, like, I asked the question, here's the, the gift. What would your life be like if you didn't give up? What would, you, what would you have in your life if you stopped choosing the button called give up? Mm -hmm. Keep or stop choosing that button. And the only way I found to stop choosing quitting is to make things simple. Just do simple stuff. Don't pay attention to any hack. Do simple things more, like more. Do more simple things. Well, what about that? No, it's not on the simple things list. Don't do it. If you live that life, everything about you gets better. Like simple, simple, simple. Sim say hi. Tell your wife or husband you actually love them. That's simple. That's not complex. I'm not saying jump through a hoop backwards. You know what I'm saying? It's and, simple. And light it on fire while you're at it. The simple is so much more effective for everybody. And it's more profound on the upside. So that's, that's awesome. what I want everybody to constantly keep things as simple. That's awesome. So where can people get your book? Uh, it's on Amazon, on in Barnes and Noble. It's in ebook format. We're currently in the middle of trying to do the audio. It's just a hard thing to do audio. <laughs> I, it, it's I'm telling you. So, but it's go, it's everywhere. It's in every brick and mortar, uh, and uh, read it. It's uh, I I meant it this time for everybody to read. It's a process and formula approach to being successful in anybody that's willing to do three simple things. Now you've written a, another book prior to this, which if I remember correctly, you self-published. Yeah, we self-published both of these. Yeah. I, I didn't want to be encumbered with a big publisher because they take the, I don't mind the copyright, but uh, big corporations are sluggish and I, I move too quickly. So <laughs> Uh, and it's a terrible DNA. So the, the first book I'd written to my wife and kids and Stacy put it on, uh, on Amazon and much to my dismay, it was called unbreakable. Yep. And I just wanted the kids to have a, a rendition of me in case I had died in combat, but I returned and then Stacy said, write it. And we were going to get a divorce cause I hate to write. I'm like, God, I hate it. But so, yeah, and this book is uh, literally uh, you know, predicate to the fact that a lot of the team guys I know were not doing very well. Yeah. And we got on a big conference call, a bunch of us, and, uh, and one of them said, dude, what's, what would happen if you died? I'm like, I don't think about it. And he goes, well, what would happen if you died? Because a bunch of our guys are, are dying, and they, they're also saying, I don't think I could ever die, and they're dying. And I'm like, mm, all that stuff that I've been teaching people would be lost. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I can't put it in a book. It's secret sauce. <laughs> He's like, yeah, who cares? Because I, I know your shit is so complex, man. You could put it in a book. Nobody's going to do it anyway. 
awesome. Well, if people want to follow you, how they count, how can they find you? Uh, unbreakableleadership.com and on Facebook, uh, Tom Shea, just T-H-O-M-S-H-E-A. And uh, if you, you reach out to us, because you know, Stacy and I are very responsive, because this is our lifestyle. We uh, involve ourselves in the growth of other people, and we coach people, I, I think, too many times a, a week. I should limit it to five. <laughs> One a day. <laughs> One a day. I'm, I'm done. One a day. I'm out. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thanks for being on. This has been great. Yeah, thanks, Brenda, for having me. It's July and the very first day of the new month of every month is when the event registration is open for the new HR coaching program that is to attend the HR roundtable. So if you've been considering joining the HR coaching program, now is the time, especially since I've added more to the program uh, that you can get a much greater benefit from it. So when you join, you'll receive these features. You get access to the recorded HR planning sessions that recently took place and the upcoming Q3 HR planning sessions that is being held uh, recently in July 2nd in the Next Gen Women in HR Facebook group, plus others that are going to be coming as we continue to make our way through the year. You'll be able to attend the monthly HR roundtable, that's the main event, that session, and also be able to review some of the previously recorded sessions as well. You have access to the course selling HR to your boss, how to increase your yes factor by 10x. That is part of that. That is at no cost. And you get a copy of my new audiobook that is releasing this month called 17 Winning Tactics for Your HR Career. Get it off the ground and steer it to the future. And you get free access to the member resource site. Now, the coaching program is helping our community of dedicated HR pros find their way and move forward through their challenges. Um, recently, one of the participants who is in the coaching program shared this about the planning event that we recently uh, recorded last week. And so my big takeaway was the HR planning worksheet and just the time spent with HR professionals who live in the same headspace that I'm living in. No matter how much is on your plate or how much you're dealing with, you are not alone. So thank you so much, Steph, for that. I really do appreciate it. Now, if you haven't caught this in the past, this week is an episode to watch. Now, I'm a co-host with the evil HR lady, Suzanne Lucas, on a live weekly YouTube program called The Real HR Show. And this past week, we talked about preparing for the next protest, um, what to say to your employees and how to get ready for it. It's everywhere right now. And going into the weekend where we historically celebrate our nation's independence, we are likely going to see additional increases in violence. And it's really unfortunate that I can make that as a comment, as a prediction, and have it likely be true. But this is our environment right now, and it's also best to be prepared for something that we hope never arrives. So please check out the episode. You can find us over at the realhrshow.com. And today we've got an awesome HR question. So please email me your HR questions. You know I really enjoy these. Uh, you can submit your questions on the bestpractices.work website. And by clicking on the podcast link from the menu and down towards the bottom of the podcast page is a submission form for you to post your questions, which I may be able to read and answer on an upcoming episode. So this question came out and it's like, how many rules and laws are human resources uh, people required to know by heart? Or do they just pull out a rule book when an incident arrives? That's a really great question. So on average, 
um, if you have at least 50 employees or more, you have to regularly, in general, just abide by about 22 right off the cuff. And that's based off of employer size. So if you are um, 10 and under, you've got about 12 that you have to adhere to. And that doesn't take into consideration, you know, the benefit side of thing. That's just just flatline HR, minimally compliant. Um, that's what you have to navigate through. And I think that's probably a better way to, to say that is it's not necessarily that you have to know by heart. You do have to understand what they are. And there's a lot of nuances to each and every single one of them. And they also layer on top of... Um, you know, one on top of another, and they also layer on top of at-will employment. Then you start working in, you know, unionization and case law, and it gets a little wonky. <laughs> it gets, it is, it is, I'll tell you what, being in HR, as much as I love it, is a, I love solving the HR problem. I don't, I'm not particularly fond of owning it anymore, but I do love to solve it. But I got to tell you something, it is a continuous brain tease. It, it is, it is, Everything is just constantly shifting and changing. And when it doesn't, just hang on because something else will come out down around the corner. So, um, so yeah, you're looking at roughly about 22 just to get out of the gate. And then, you know, depending upon the type of company that you have, uh, we're not even talking safety. I mean, we're just talking <laughs> just normal stuff. So um, that's a great question. I really like that. So I, I appreciate that. And that one actually, that one actually came out of somebody who's been uh, kind of circling the community and looking in to see, you know, is this the direction that I want to go with my career or not? And um, I encourage this person to actually jump into the next gen women in HR community because this is where we're having real conversations in real time with real people. They're exciting. Uh, there's lots of changes always coming down the pike. Um, we're keeping we're keeping folks engaged. We're up to 160 now, 160 members, which is fantastic. And I just I love getting to know the people in this group. Um, had a great call today earlier with uh, somebody from Canada, actually one of the ladies from Canada who's in the group. So I certainly invite you to jump in and join the conversation. Again, you can find us over on Facebook. It's called Next Gen Women in HR. And, uh, man, I'll tell you what, the last two weeks, we've just been super active, lots of really great dialogue coming down the pike and a couple of really neat events. So, uh, come join us. We're, we're here to help, we're here to help you, help you figure out your problems. And it's nice to be able to talk to one another. Um, when you do come in, we do have three questions that you have to answer because this really is for dedicated HR people. Um, if you don't answer the questions, I'm sorry, we're not letting you in the group because we don't want to flood it with people who aren't going to be engaged. We really want people who want to be here, want to move forward and people who are committed to their, to their job craft. So you're welcome to go ahead and connect with me. Uh, and you can find me in a couple of different places uh, over on Instagram and Facebook at best practices in HR, where I give some general updates over on Instagram. You can also find me I'm Brenda, the HR lady, where I share more about what I'm up to. And uh, if you'd like to connect with me professionally, you can also follow me on LinkedIn over at Brenda Neckvottle. And my last name is spelled N-E-C-K-V as in Victor, A-T-A-L. Over on YouTube, I've been building a library of videos that you can find me again using my name. And if I also uh, co-host, again, the other show that I was telling you about called The Real HR Show with the evil HR lady herself, Suzanne Lucas, we stream that live 
every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And lastly, you can jump on the website at bestpractices.org where you can read up on the new updates that I called out earlier in today's episode. And this is something that I've decided to add. I'm going to make this a regular part of the show. And just, you know, simply visit bestpractices.org and click on the podcast link and you can get to that information. Also, click connect at the top of the page and uh, get my best practices delivered directly to your inbox. And folks, before I go, a while ago, um, we had Mike Day on at episode number 47, and I've talked about it quite a bit. And I just want to make sure that I give a shout out because his book, Perfectly Wounded, just an absolute phenomenal book on resiliency in leadership and his story about how he was shot 27 times. Like I said, he came on the show and he talked about it. And I got to tell you, I am super proud of this guy. He he made Amazon's best-selling list, so best-sellers list. So congratulations, Mike, to that. Um, it's just an amazing story, and I'm super proud of you. And look forward to um, looking forward to see where you're going next with this. So and don't forget, guys, get a copy of Tom Shea's book. His it's out. Three simple things. I promise you, it's a read well worth reading. Uh, just great information. And uh, Tom, I'm just thrilled. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh, to participate in what you've got going on as well. All right, guys, so we will see you next week. Have a very safe 4th of July weekend and uh, catch you on the other side of it.